I said, are you ready? For what? The horror bros. Alright everybody, welcome back to Horror Bros. I'm your host Jason Johnson along with... I'm JT Johnson, how you doing? I'm doing great. Because we're doing a fantastic fucking movie this week. Yes, we are. We're actually going to jump ahead a couple of years in the chronology due to this time of the year. And it's also going to be a quite sizable episode. So buckle up, Buttercup. uh, Because tonight we're talking about Halloween. Uh, At the age of six, a young Michael Myers kills his sister Judith and is sent to an insane asylum. When he turns 21, not 23 like the credits say, He is to be transferred to a minimum security (laughs) hospital, but he won't quite make it there. Instead, Michael escapes with his doctor, Sam Loomis, hot on his trail. Back in his hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois, Michael soon targets a young high school girl named Lori Strode, and this Halloween night will definitely end in blood. The main cast includes Donald Pleasance as Sam Loomis, the psychiatrist that wants to keep Myers locked up. Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, the unfortunate girl stalked by Michael Myers. PJ Souls as, and I'm not making this name up, Linda Vanderclock. Yep. The sexually active friend. Uh, Nancy Keys as Annie Brackett, the drug-using fellow babysitter friend of Laurie Strode. John Michael Graham as Bob, Linda's boyfriend. Charles Mm -hmm. Cyphers as Sheriff Lee Brackett who's apparently Dr. Loomis's assistant, does everything he says. Yeah. Uh, Brian Andrews as Tommy Doyle, the young boy under Lori's charge. Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace, the young girl under Annie's charge. Nancy Stevens as Marion Chambers, Loomis's main nurse at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Nick Castle as Michael Myers, the deranged killer credited as The Shape. And now you know why this episode is going to be so long. That's a big cast. Yes. So, uh... Jason, when did you first see Halloween? Oh, well, let me tell you a wonderful story of uh, child terror. Uh, So (laughs) I was um, five, four or five years old. Now, mind you, my father, our father, was not intending to terrorize us or me. Um, What ended up happening was, you know, he grew up watching universal horror movies which are, sure, a little scary, but mostly fun. Kids love universal horror films, you know. Plus, he also grew up watching on TV 50s horror films, like I Was a Teenage Werewolf and shit like that. So when Dad sees that night that there's a horror movie coming on, that's what he's thinking about when he looks at his four- or five-year-old son and says, hey, let's watch a scary movie tonight. And we sat down to watch Halloween. And I have been afraid ever since. I have scared, that movie scared me shitless. But also set up my deep fascination with horror. Because I don't care how old you are. When you, well, especially when you're that young and you get that scared of something, you also become fascinated with it. You know, how did that make me have such a deep feeling? So uh, now I would like to move on, though, to the first time you saw Halloween. 
<laughs> I had to have been, it had to have been after I was six. So six or seven, mm-hmm. because you had already shown me Star Wars. You were already kind of a person that I went to for movies yeah. at that point. So it had to have been somewhere around there. And you showed it to me. And my the most visual thing for me that stuck with me from that first viewing yeah. was just that pale fucking mask. Yes, sir. Like that mask is haunting. Yes. And it's funny where it came from, yeah. which we'll get to later. Yeah. But it's <laughs> fucking funny it's hilarious uh, yeah funny. knowing what that mask is and, and yeah. it, when they really bought it originally bought it and then what they were able to turn it into because believe it or not the image that doesn't stick with me is not even a close-up image of it like yeah. from later on in the movie yeah it's when he's standing behind the bush as yeah. laurie strode is walking up and when he's standing downstairs in the lot amongst the laundry. Yeah. Those are the images that stick with me because that mask helps personify what Loomis will describe in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the pale, emotionless face, the darkest eyes and all that stuff. And, and well, and for me, it's, it's also the mask and it's, um, for me, the scene is, is when Lori Strode is standing there, she's scared out of her mind. She's already been facing him down. And then she's got a dark room behind her and his face just appears out of the dark. And, um, and when I found out how they did that scene, I was, I I loved it because it's a great practical effect. And for as cheaply as this movie was made, they needed really cheap practical effect. They just basically took a dimmer switch and brought the light up very slowly on the mask. And, and that's how he (laughs) appeared there. It, it, it it worked and it worked to great effect because it stuck with me. It's, it's stuck with me to this day. Another thing that it did ruin me on, uh, jack-o'-lanterns. The the, <laughs> the the credits whenever they always in a Halloween movie have the jack o' lantern burning there. They just it's just forever associated that music with that jack o' lantern face. And then I know I'm about to be scared shitless by Michael Myers. And so yeah, that's forever associated now. Everyone has a horror film that sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah. That no matter how many times you watch it, no matter how old you are when you watch it, it's gonna somehow get under your skin because it's going to somehow tap into that memory of when you watched it so many years ago. I have a friend just as an example of something else. I have a friend child's play is that movie for her. Yeah. And I, and so I know I could probably go up behind her right now and go want to play and it'll freak her the hell out. Yeah. So, so Chuck it's Chucky for her, but for me, it's always been Michael Myers. Yeah. And, we're going to talk about the sequels a little bit later. Not not in great detail. I have an angle on that. But uh, but the thing about the sequels that I've noticed, because I'm re-watching them now for Halloween this yeah. year, is that this is a series that never gets funny intentionally. I, I say intentionally because there is some things that pop up in yeah. some of the sequels. But... They always try to keep it serious with the Halloween films. Like it never, yeah. it never was like, oh, he's been around for so long. Now we're we're gonna have him joking around and talking all of a sudden. No, he he's always a fucking killer. And one of the things that appeals to me about this movie is uh, today supernatural films can get to me a little bit more than they used to. 
which yeah. is hilarious. But back in the day, Freddy Krueger, even Jason, who pretty much turns into a zombie, yeah, uh, never really got me. They never tapped into that. Yeah. Chucky, Chucky the, never really did. Those characters uh, were more fun than yeah. anything. Yeah. Maybe Pinhead did. Hey, he may be the exception to the rule. Not even that uh, one for me, but I but but I well, can't uh, understand why. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that at a later date. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> um, but Michael Myers though is a killer in yeah. this movie. Yes. Uh, again, we'll get in we'll the, get to yeah. the sequels and stuff later. But he is a flat out killer. Yes. The only reason he targets Laurie Strode in this movie is she drops the key off. Yeah. And people say. You know, because people have asked me, like, well, if it's not the sister connection, which was made in a later sequel, yeah, what was it that had had him randomly target her? Well, one, he's just a random killer. He does he's a psycho. Right. But it's that moment. He sees her, he relates to her as Judith, uh, the sister he killed. Mm-hmm. And you even know that he's targeting her because the other person that was with Lori when she dropped off the key was Tommy. Right. And there's the scene a little bit later on when he's following Tommy as well. And I think the dynamic is, and I never made this connection until now, a hundred viewings in. Yeah. Tommy is him. Him. And Lori is Judith. Yes. I never, that, I, that's the reason why when the kids are picking on Tommy and he falls and breaks his, uh, Pumpkin, pumpkin and then the one kid the one bully kid runs away and he just catches that kid and look at him and just looks at him and you see that kid's a good actor because for that split second there that that frames on that that kid you could see basically shits his fucking pants when he looks up at this guy you like, know what the hell yeah. Is that? <laughs> yeah uh but the great thing is it also michael myers has the most wonderful disguise though because that's in broad daylight yes He's obviously wearing the mask at this point right even though we don't see the mask just yet right uh, you hear the breathing, but it's Halloween. Yeah, no one's going to question him yeah. in this mask, and yeah. that's what oh, that's what makes it work. And when you break it down to its most base story, kid kills his sister, gets thrown in an insane asylum. Um, Fifteen years later, breaks out of said asylum and goes back to that town to kill some more. That is something that can really happen. A, a homicidal maniac breaking out of a of a um, insane asylum and going and killing people. So I yeah. think you know, and that's one of the reasons why it's so scary. Uh, all right, let's get into a little behind the scenes uh, yeah. information here. Uh, producer Erwin Yablons, and I actually had to Google how to pronounce that name. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm horrible at it. He came up with the concept. He came up with the concept of a killer stalking babysitters. Right. Along with his producing partner, Mustafa Akkad, a name you'll hear a lot Who here. Who I in a imagine is, uh, it sounds like Mustafa Akkad. Yeah. <laughs> he know. does. Yeah. Oh, to hear him talk about Donald Pleasance, uh, there's one interview where he's like, So I asked Donald how many Halloweens you do. And yeah. He said, uh, <laughs> When we get to. When we get to 23, I'll stop at 23. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, he's definitely got that. Yeah. Oh, well, he did. Well, he did. Yeah. Well, are you, are we uh, going to get to that later in the script? We, what happened? I'll go ahead and mention it now. Yeah. I think it was 2007, Something. maybe even sooner. Yeah. It was in the 2000s. Yeah. Unfortunately, he was in Turkey. Yeah. And him and his daughter were killed in a suicide bombing. That's horrible. A, a terrorist attack. Yeah. And, uh, Malik Akkad, his son, is yeah. the one who actually keeps the Halloween films going to this day. Yeah, he, he carries it on for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
they sought out director John Carpenter after having seen his earlier film, Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah. The film was a major success. Uh, that film in particular was a major success overseas. Mm-hmm. And so it got a lot of, it got him a lot of recognition, but mm-hmm. not maybe, but yet not yet that household name status. It, right. it, it's basically people in the industry was like, have you seen this crazy movie where these gangs assault this police station? Uh, and it's actually a really good uh, movie. Carpenter had only one request and that was yeah. full creative control. Yeah. And they gave it to him. They said, go ahead, go do it, go make your movie. Right. And now there's a story that director Bob Clark, who directed Black Christmas, yeah. uh, said that he once met John Carpenter and John Carpenter asked him, what would you do with a sequel to Black Christmas? And he's the one who said, oh, I would I would make it, you know, on Halloween and all this and blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, Bob Clark liked to promote himself a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's there's a lot of things to contradict that story. The first one is... The project was called The Babysitter Murders right. when it was first started, not Halloween. It wasn't even set on Halloween at first. Yeah. Uh, it was Yoblins who came up to him and said, hey, why don't we set it on Halloween and call the movie Halloween? So Carpenter didn't even have the idea for the title or the setting. Yeah. That came from someone else as they were writing the script. Uh, now, there's someone I want to talk about because she does not get enough credit for the Halloween films, because you think of Halloween, you think John Carpenter's Halloween. It's very smart that he put his name because everyone's going to associate this movie with him right. as they should. He deserves all the credit that he's already gotten. Right. But he had a writing and producing partner and, and girlfriend at the time, actually Deborah Hill. Yeah. Deborah Hill was instrumental in writing the female characters and making them sound believable yeah, making and basing it on her experiences as a babysitter herself, and we wouldn't have Haddonfield without her because she was born and raised in Haddonfield, New Jersey. New Jersey. Yep. So, big shout out to her. They they wrote the script. Um, and one thing I can say in comparison to Black Christmas, it's obvious Black Christmas inspired this movie. Yeah. At least the direction. Excuse me. Yeah. Because the movie opens up, just as an example, with that POV shot near the beginning. Right. And like Black Christmas, we actually have a rather unique POV shot. He puts on a mask. And so you see it through the eyes of the mask. Right. Which makes it even more creepy. And since we don't see it's Michael Myers, it's even more shocking when the parents come home and they go, Michael, and they take the mask off. And it is this angelic-looking yeah. six-year-old kid holding a bloody knife. Yes. He has just killed his sister. Now, this opening scene is where I'm going to make my first little interjection here. Um, I have no complaints about this movie. You could you could pick this movie apart if you wanted to. There's tons of little things. But here's the one thing that kills me. When they pull that mask off of that kid's face, that is the most disaffected fucking mother I have ever seen. She's just standing there almost like she wants to just fire up a cigarette and go, okay. Um, Here's the thing. I thought, I kind of excused that scene a little bit just because it's supposed to be almost like a still shot, not really a react moment. They didn't freeze frame it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And 
but he wants to move the camera so you can't actually freeze it. Right. My, I, what I thought you were going to bring up was when he starts stabbing Judith. Yes. He doesn't look at Judith. He looks yes. at the knife. Well, there, it, the, but there is an explanation for that because you see him attack her. And at first he is looking at her. And you see the knife, you, you hear the knife hitting her, which was done with a watermelon, yeah. by the way. But what they realized <laughs> in the movie, in the in the film, was they wanted to see the knife going down into her, but you couldn't do that with that mask point of view thing over the camera. So they wanted him to look up at the knife to see the knife with the blood on it, and, and it kind of gives you that visual of the knife there. And, but, listen, but still, it, it doesn't, yeah, that is definitely a complaint. Yeah. But it, it does it does facilitate two things, actually. Yeah. One is you don't have to worry about the violence. Right. They're not going to yes. make him cut that scene. Right. But ironically enough, one thing that John Carpenter believed in, especially then, do not show the audience the kill do not show them too much yeah because your imagination is going to fill in a lot more oh yeah of than he can in camera right. it's basically and he's he, he said this in an interview he said i can show you a guy stabbing a woman all day long yeah he said but i can also show her stumbling around a corner him menacingly grabbing a knife and slowly right. walking around that corner and you're way more freaked out right. by that than you are the actual kill. It's that whole thing of your brain, uh, and I mean this goes back to evolution. This is it, your brain wants you to be afraid of things. It's how you avoid uh, dying and are able to procreate, and therefore you propagate the species. Um, and so, yes, he's exactly right. If you, you don't have to show them everything, because your brain is wanting to make up the rest to give you something to avoid in the future. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the yeah. same reason that plays and novels uh, and even comic books to an extent where you can't be shown everything. It's the same yeah. reason those work. Your imagination, your participation fills in the blanks. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it just works. I mean, it works a heck of a lot better than just blood and guts, which don't get me wrong. There's plenty of movies of blood and guts, some of which we'll get to that I absolutely love. Yeah. But uh, but this works better for me. That that fear of the mind than yeah. anything else. That's Hitchcockian. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, Sam Loomis uh, is named after, of course, the same character in Psycho, the boyfriend of of, uh, of Marion Crane. Yeah. More on her later. Uh, we know the origin of things such as Haddonfield, but what about the name Michael Myers? Mm -hmm. The name actually comes from the English producer that helped get Assault on Precinct 13 into various European film festivals that got mm -hmm. John Carpenter his start. Right. Tommy Doyle was actually named after a character, and I did not know this, and I've seen this movie, was actually named after a character in Rear Window. So it's another Hitchcockian mm. connection. Yeah. Uh, and then the most obvious that I just mentioned was Sam Loomis. Uh, the character of Michael Myers was actually inspired by a trip to the mental hospital that Carpenter took while he was in college. Yep. He went to a mental hospital. He saw this kid with what Carpenter described as a blank schizophrenic stare. Mm -hmm. And that is what 
directly inspired Carpenter to write the famous speech that Loomis gives where he's describing meeting Michael for the first time uh, and wanting to keep him locked up. Yeah, uh, I love that speech, man. I spent eight yeah. years trying to reach him and another seven trying to keep him locked away because yeah. I knew that what lied behind those boys' eyes was simply purely evil. Yeah, love that fucking monologue. <laughs> yes, it's great. <laughs> it's perfect, you know. But when it came to casting, one of the most important roles was the Loomis character. Yeah. And this is where Carpenter and Mustafa and all of them said, you need a noted actor. You need someone. Right who's going to draw some people in the first actor considered for the role was not Donald Pleasance. The first actor considered for the role was Peter Cushing. Yep. They took the script to his agent. His agent saw the salary and said, I'm not even taking this to Cushing. Yeah. Go away. So if you can't get Van Helsing, who do you go to? You go to Dracula. And this time though, they, they, I don't know if Christopher Lee even had an agent. But they took it directly to Christopher Lee. Right. And he turned it down. I think at this point he was kind of done because he had done the Hammer Horror films. He was trying to stay away from the genre. However, both Deborah Hill and John Carpenter said they met him separately later on down the line. Yes. And Christopher Lee said to both of them, that was the biggest regret I ever made in my life. Yeah. And... Because it's the kind of role that's right up his fucking alley, and it ended up being so popular, you know? Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Yeah. Yeah, Damn it, I told them all. (laughs) He's coming to Haddonfield. It would have been been a really good pick, to be honest. But let's face facts. From The Great Escape, from You Only Live Twice. Yeah comes Donald fucking Pleasance. Yeah. Who is probably one of the greatest character actors to ever live. Oh, yeah. Because... For sure. Not only do you watch the Halloween films, go watch Escape from New York. Escape from New York. That's the one (laughs) I was just fixing to bring up, man. (laughs) You are the Duke of New York. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, He is fantastic. And, of course, he's fantastic as Loomis. Because Loomis... The great thing about Loomis is he's not just... He's, he fulfills that role of the, this is what you're dealing with character. Yeah. He gets has all the information. But this is Ahab, man, and he wants his white whale. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. He, he feels that, uh, and he's the For protector sure. as well, and ultimately the hero. But, of course, our next major uh, role is uh, uh, Laurie Strode mm-hmm. and... The first person considered for that role, and I think the only one that was seriously considered, was Anne Lockhart, the daughter of June Lockhart. Yeah. And she actually was going to do it, but some other unconfirmed or or unknown commitments that she had at the time forced her to back out. And so they interviewed Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. To which Carpenter didn't know who she was. She At this point, she had only done Operation Petticoat on television. Yeah. John Carpenter didn't even own a TV or he owned yeah. a TV, but he didn't watch TV. <laughs> right. And that's uh, and, and the funny part. She, for this movie, to film this movie, she actually had to do it over the break uh, away from yeah. Operation Petticoat. And the thing was, is when they cast her and this yeah. was so crazy, they had no idea yeah. she was the daughter of Janet Lee. They really? Didn't they it. didn't they, know. They didn't know going in. They found out shortly after they hired her. Yeah. 
To which the only thing that was said about it was that uh, apparently Hill went, well, that's going to be great publicity for the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they apparently that's I mean that's what I I've read and. I hope it's true because it's kind of funny. Like it's just yeah. it's a good story. Like oh crap, you have this. We have all of these connections to Psycho in this movie. Yeah, and we didn't even know that we had the greatest Which, connection. You know, with it, our but star. It, and it does make sense. I mean, Curtis, you don't immediately jump to Tony Curtis in your mind. You know, and then right, right. the way she spells Lee in her or her name is L E E. She doesn't spell it like her. Yeah, her mother's last name. Uh, so yeah, I could see them not knowing who she was, you know, for sure. Now, now, Nick Castle plays the shape. He plays Michael Myers himself, and yeah. and you'll hear me say the shape ever so often to those who are uninitiated with this movie because that's how he is officially credited in the yes. movie. He my, he's not Michael Myers. He's the, the shape. shape. He's this mysterious mm-hmm. thing. It kind of adds a little bit of a supernatural flair and kind of gives their monster yes. a name. Right. Uh, although most people would just be like, he's fucking Michael Myers, you know? Uh, but Castle's casting was very simply, he was good friends with Carpenter. And the funny thing about him is later actors would come to him and ask him, Hey, uh, what did you do when you played Michael? Like, how did you perfect the walk and all that, all that kind of stuff. And Nick Castle tells him every time, he's like, I just walked, dude. Yeah. Like he didn't come yeah. up with a performance. He was like, Hey, walk from a to B. Uh, okay. And he yeah. walks from a to B. It was that simple. But, uh, castle actually, uh, would go on to be a director himself. And there are two films of note. One in the 1990s. This is the lesser film, but I, I love this film. Major pain. Oh yeah. Damon great Wayans. movie. <laughs> Give me your finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, You broke my finger, but you ain't thinking about that bullet hole anymore. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, But a lot more people would probably notice this one. He directed The Last Starfighter. He Really? uh, Yeah. I love that movie. I wonder if if he would be considered to direct uh, the sequel that the writer just said now is moving forward. The really? Last Starfighter 2. The writer who would not give up the rights to Who's anybody. Who's, what, 30 fucking years later now writing a movie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but apparently there's going to yeah. be a sequel. But anyway, yeah. Nick Castle directed it, and uh, he was known for that. And, and of course, he needs a mask, Michael Myers. Yeah. And he, he's <laughs> now the most iconic mask in the world. Yep. And the way they, are, they did that is they went to Don Post Studios. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who don't know, Don Post was the first guy who really made good latex mask for Halloween. He is actually known as the godfather of Halloween. Yeah. And he was noted for making famous masks of famous people. Yeah. Notably, William Shatner from Star Trek. Yes. And this is the mask that they picked up from Don Post. And it, I've seen the actual mask. Of course, it's skin colored. It's got yeah. the weird. It's got the weird pointy sideburns. It's yeah. more slicked back with the hair. It looks, well, quite frankly, it looks more like William Shatter. Yeah, the eyes are so, more narrow on it. The cutouts the for the eyes. eyes. Are, the eyes are more narrow. Yeah. And I was just about to say that in order to modify it, they shaved the sideburns. Yeah. They they messed up the hair. They widened the black eyes. And then yeah. they simply spray painted it with 
white yep. spray paint. Fish belly white for anyone who's wanting to do a recreation on your own. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the actual the, shade of white. Fish belly white. The same mask would be used again in Halloween too. Yeah. And I always wondered why could you see his eyes in Halloween too? Yeah. Because you know there's a lot of close-ups where you can see the eyes. And it looks kind of weird. Well, one, yes, it was dated. It, I think it ended up under the bed of Deborah Hill. It did. Yeah. And uh, kind of got discolored by cigarette smoke and stuff like that. So they had to kind of yeah. fix it, which kind of helps it because that film's set right after. So it has to look kind of rough and, and, right. and scuffed. Yeah, it's has been be worn tra- now. But the real reason you could see the eyes is because Dick Warlock's fucking head was so much more wider than Nick Castle's, it stretched the mask out across his face. Wow. So that's why. And so it, it, it basically hugged his face. Yeah. And I, I, I just recently watched Halloween 2. And sure enough, yeah, you could see it's, it's fucking tight yeah. on his yeah. face. I'll be damned. They were going to use the mask again for Halloween 4. Yeah. But uh, the original one was lost, but they found a lot of the old latex William Shatner mask. The problem yeah. was is that the hair fades over time yeah. when they get old. And if you watch Halloween 4 very closely, they did attempt to use that mask in one scene. Yeah. There's a scene where they're in the school, and Donald Pleasance, Dr. Loomis, he's there, and Michael mm-hmm. Myers appears, grabs him, and throws him through a door, like a window of a door. Yeah, You'll see that the hair is stark white. Yeah. And the reason is, is they tried to use a Don Post Halloween mask, but then they... Uh, changed it because it was like uh, we can't use that <laughs> it yeah. doesn't look like Michael yeah. Myers it just doesn't look right uh, now jumping ahead a little bit there is one scene where Michael Myers is unmasked very briefly right and he pops in the screen and he puts the mask back on almost immediately right that actor is not Nick Castle Mm-mm. they wanted someone who Carpenter described as angelic like the kid we saw at the beginning right and so they chose an actor named Tony Morin now, he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot more beyond this, but he has another connection. He is the brother of actress Aaron Morgan, who played Jody Cunningham on Happy Days. Yeah. And he was paid a whopping $250 yeah. for his 10-second <laughs> appearance. Uh, hey, 10 seconds of film, $250? Sign me up, brother. Yeah. Uh, even today, in 1975 money, that's crazy. Uh, oh, or 78 yeah. money. Uh, anyway, filming was, it pretty much went off without a hitch. Everyone got along. There's no real behind the scenes stories of anyone not getting along or anything like that. Like I said, Carpenter had complete control. So he was happy. These were all young up and starting actors and actresses. So they were happy. And so he finishes the film and he edits it together and he shows it to an executive and the executive's not scared. The executive is like, this is not a scary movie. What the hell did you just make? Right. He freaked out. Only thing Carpenter had not put into this movie yet was the musical score. Yeah. And being that this is a cheap movie and he has a background in music, Carpenter decides to do the score himself. Right. A trend that would continue with his later films. Yeah. So he comes up with that iconic did it did it did it did it. Yep. Repeats that about 50,000 fucking times in the movie. Which, mm-hmm. if you really listen to that soundtrack, that's what it is. It's either it's that, that song, yeah. It's da-dum. either that or it's the da-dum. Da-dum. yeah, da-dum. or ding 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 ding. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. 
Those yeah. are your three sounds of Halloween. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But he puts that in and he shows it to the same executive. Doesn't say, mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't change anything. So he's not, he's, he didn't change any of the film. And this executive was scared out of their mind. Yeah. yeah. And that is film 101, ladies and gentlemen. The score is so important yes. to the tone of your movie. 100%. Imagine the Star Wars crawl without the iconic John Williams theme. Yeah, it doesn't you'll work. understand what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it just work. doesn't work. And so that's just a, a good lesson for anyone who wants to do yeah. music for, for them. And a little bit now, about that music. It's in a 5-4 time signature, which is a rare time signature. He learned it from his father. And when you say he has a background in music, he genuinely does. His father was a musician and, and taught him how to play and all that jazz. So, And what's great yeah. is... Yeah, JT John and Car- I know a little bit about this movie, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and John Carpenter, of course, he, he would come back for the 2018 film as executive producer. First time in his involvement since Halloween three. Yeah. And he did the score again, but this time he did it with Cody Carpenter, his son. So yeah. he kept it into a family affair. And also he's godfather to someone else. And I forgot his name. I'll have to get to that later. Yeah. But he also helped with the score. Whoever that guy was. Yeah. Son of another famous <laughs> musician. Glenn Danzig. But, <laughs> no, I don't yeah, know. Sure, I'm just, sure. I'm making why, shit why, up sure. right now. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, but, the film itself was novelized. Mm-hmm. Now, in the novel, there are some notable differences. For one, there's more in it about Sam Hain and Halloween and all of right. that to kind of throw a hint that maybe something supernatural could be going on with Michael Myers, uh, particularly when he escapes at the end. However, the biggest thing in that one is we get a little bit more family history and it's revealed that. Michael Myers' grandfather suffered from mental illness. So it has that bit of a consideration. I will say, though, this is a good example of if that had been in the movie, Mm -hmm. I don't think Michael Myers would have been as scary to me. Like, if I had known where he came from, if I had known his history. Because part of what makes Michael Myers work in this movie so much is we don't know a damn thing about him. He's a mysterious character. He... He's just crazy. Yeah. And and that's what makes him work. I say that because some of the sequels try to explain where, right. where he, where he yeah. came from. And holy crap. Uh, now, this movie is credited often as the origin of the morality play. Yeah. Uh, a slasher. It's not really. Yeah. That really comes from later films that interpreted yeah. this film because yeah. everyone notes that in this movie, Laurie Strode is the virgin, the pure girl right. that lives to the end. And John Carpenter said, uh, that, that wasn't, yeah. that they was never intended that at all. Uh, it it you, just so happened that she was the one to quote him. He said, it was just so happened that the girl that wasn't having sex was just happened to be the one that was paying attention enough to see the killer coming. Exactly. You know, and that's it. And, and and you get that because she in in the early in the movie you realize they're not making her out to be an angel because she's smoking she a fucking fly. joint in the car. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just about yeah. to bring up that scene. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, all right, Annie, if you see your father 
at the hardware store. Yeah. And you're driving up to him. Yes. You don't have to stop to say hi to him. So nope. don't freak out and be like, get rid of it. Just no, honk just and hi, daddy, hey, and keep going. Hey. And they're smoke. <laughs> and not only that, they're smoking this fucking joint inside a car where all the windows are closed, the doors closed, everything. And then they don't roll the window down till after she stomps the joint out on the floor. And then they roll the window down right as they get up to her dad. Either he has no sense of smell or he was ignoring the shit out of the fact they were smoking weed in that car. Because there is no way he did not know. Or it's the 70s and everybody was smoking weed. Everything so is, smells like weed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was now, nose think, blind to weed. Yeah. I, I, that is one of the most common problems with, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say I've smoked weed but I've smoked weed yeah. and <laughs> I've smoked lots of it. I'll admit it. I, uh, oh, I, I fucking love it. Um, but that's one thing in movies. I've noticed that, the, that a lot of movies and television shows get wrong, put it out and the smell goes away. Yeah. Yeah. It's just now, gone. Now here's the thing. Weed smell does fade fast, yeah. but not in two seconds. No. So <laughs> and not when you've just opened the window to an enclosed space right in front of the face of the person you don't want to smell it. Um, yeah, that's a, that is definitely something this movie got wrong, but Hey, what the hell shit happens, right? Yeah. You know, now another thing that this film is credited for is some people will even go as far as to say, Oh, it's the first slasher film. It's the nah, first yeah. horror, and it's not, we have done Texas chainsaw massacre. We have done, yes. Uh, we have done Black Christmas. Yes. Hell, even the Omen has elements of a slasher yes. flick in it. And let's go back to but, Psycho, which to me is probably yeah the first. And Psycho is the grandfather of all psych- right. of all slashers. But what I think people are trying to say, and they're blowing it out of proportion, is that Halloween is probably the most influential slasher to yeah. come along. For sure. This film, and I made this comparison on a previous episode that we recorded. This film did for slasher film films what Nirvana did for the grunge scene. It wasn't first, but it was the thing that put it in the mainstream. Right. After this, everybody wanted to make a slasher because this movie on a $300,000 budget in 1978 made $70 million. That is huge return of profit. In fact, it was considered the most successful independent film ever made when it came out. And I thought you were going to say after this film, everyone wanted to be murdered by their junky ass wife. Uh, Sorry. You made the Cobain reference had to say, uh, Jesus Christ. I was like, what movie are you referencing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, uh, if you want to see a good movie documentary, uh, <laughs> yeah, anything I'm in, I'm on Cobain. Such, I'm yeah. in such movie mode that I was yeah. like, oh, oh, oh really? Is there yeah, one this sounds like a great movie. <laughs> oh, it will be uh, one day. But a lot of films were influenced by this. Yeah. One of the most notable films is Friday the 13th. I'm going to hold off saying anything more about that until we get to it. To it, yeah. Uh, because we were definitely doing that one. But its influence even influenced some films that aren't technically slashers. James Cameron based his script for The Terminator yeah. off 
trying to make something like Halloween. He his he yeah. had that nightmare of the metal torso with the knife coming right. after him. He saw it as a slasher movie. Yeah. And that movie's got a lot of slasher tropes. It's got the Terminator, mm-hmm. that's the monster, the final girl, the protector. It's it's got all those elements. It just happens to be more of a sci-fi action film yeah, starring if you, a big man named Arnold Schwarzenegger. And well, and if you think about Schwarzenegger in that first film, he's this unstoppable force that silent. no matter yeah, no silent, no matter what you do to him, he's not gonna stop coming for you. Um, which is what Michael Myers is, you know, silent, not gonna stop coming for you. He has but one mission, and that is to end you. And that's it, you know. And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, of course, the inspiration goes all the way into the 90s. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Williamson, the writer of, the, of, of Scream. Yeah. Uh, this is the big influence. The movie's featured in Scream a lot, heavily. Yeah. And, and what's great about Scream is, or what's funny about that, the full circle thing is, a couple years after Scream, they would make Halloween H2O 20 years later. Yep. And it follows the Scream formula more than it follows yeah. the Halloween, Halloween formula. Yep. So it all comes back around. And, and of course, Kevin Williamson worked on H2O, so that kind of makes sense. But uh, it, its influence is felt to this day. I mean, every horror film almost since 1978 has something in it that can be traced back to Halloween. Right. And I think that's where it's lasting appeal. It wasn't the first, but it was definitely one of the biggest, yeah. baddest and, and put everything in the mainstream. Most one thing I was su- before we get into the movie itself, one of the things that actually surprised me because this film always seemed to me like a film that was loved by critics, mm-hmm. even at the time, they were actually very dismissive of this movie at first. And, the critic that would champion the film is a bit of an ironic choice because this dude even sort of dismissed uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that was Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert loved this film from the start. I'll he be. said it was inventive. He said that he's the one that noted that like, it's actually not that bloody and gory. It's it's he works with mood and tension and all that stuff within like a year when the movie was a hit, and this is what I hate about critics speaking as a critic, uh, yeah. is that sometimes they'll flip if something's a hit. Yeah. yeah. Case in point, case in point, fucking Scarface. Every critic in the world hated Scarface when mm-hmm. it came out. And when it became popular in the 2000s, every critic was like, oh, yes, it's a De Palma masterpiece. Right. Now, look, here's the thing I get a lot of fun. Out of, out of Scarface because, but not because it's a work of wonderful cinematic masterpiece. I get a lot yeah. of fun out of it because it's a goofy, over-the-top, overly-acted, crazy movie. Yeah. That's where I get the fun out of that movie. So let's yeah. stop acting like it's the Citizen King of gangster movies. Yeah. And, and then we all forgot The Godfather existed or something. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump off my high horse. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Come on down here with me, JT. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, not only did the critical reception get better over time, in 2006, it was chosen for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. That's how big uh, this movie is. Uh, Now, we've already talked about 
the iconic POV scene of the right. beginning with the kid. Uh, let's see here. What do I got? What do I got? What do I got? The movie does start. It starts and ends strong. Yeah. It starts with the escape of Michael, My- the killing of Judith, and then the escape of Michael Myers. Which how long does it take Doctor Loomis to run over and save Marion? Because Marion is getting terrorized by this guy, and he's just over at the phone like, "What is going on? Wait for your mark." Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, <laughs> quick, quick note though: there's a point where his hand comes down and he slams into the into the window, breaking it. Mm-hmm. Look very closely, especially on these high definition Blu-rays, mm-hmm. and you will see that his hand looks weird because all they did was they slipped a wrench up the sleeve, mm-hmm. and you can see the wrench in his hand, and that's what's used to bash in the they very real break window the glass. Yeah, uh, because let's face facts, we're on a budget. We don't well, have time and to you break can, away glass. You can tell it. Well, you can tell it's real also by the fact of the way the glass breaks. That is tempered glass that went into a car because of the way it shatters and in a movie today you know they'd hit it and it would shatter into a million pieces and fall down but but in real life that's that's not made to do that it's a, it is actually tempered glass but yeah yeah it's definitely that's one thing i rewatched it last night and that's one of the things i actually noticed because i was actually paying attention and watching for small details and one of the now now after the escape Things slow down for a while. We get introduced to Lori Strode. We get introduced to uh, Linda and Annie, her best friends. Right. And and normally in a 70s horror film, this is where we bring up that slow burn that we always talk about right. in these uh, horror films. But this movie is still unsettling even in these moments because of two reasons. One, the score is always... It's always underneath the layer. It's always kind of playing, even when they're just talking about their day. But another thing is Carpenter never lets you forget that they're being watched. Either the car drives past them or she sees Michael Myers outside her classroom in that now iconic shot and then looks back and he's gone. Foreshadowing. Um, And then... And, and then uh, she sees him behind the bush, which I mentioned in the laundry. She, you know, there, yeah. there's this presence that is around yeah. them. And that's what keeps it unsettling uh, all the way up until we get to, he sets up the chess pieces. Uh, Sheriff Brackett and Loomis are looking for Michael Myers. Right. Uh, the girls go to their houses to babysit. Linda's about to come over to have sex with Bob. Right. Uh, she definitely gets his ghost and (laughs) (laughs) and that's when michael myers sort of springs into action he takes out annie first he takes out right takes out linda in one of the most iconic scenes ever with the ghost uh wearing the sheet as a ghost and uh also amazing upper body strength lifts bob right up pins him to a door yeah. And that is the strongest. Is that a Ginsu knife? Because that is the strongest knife in the world. So bitch goes straight through him, him and through the door. Yeah. And, and it I, keeps him held yeah. up. And so I dare you. Not to only take, is it strong, it yeah. gained five inches. Yeah. I, I dare you to take a, a butcher knife and actually put it through a cabinet door. Just try it. Just fucking try <laughs> it. I guarantee you, you won't do it. 
but yes, uh, but you know, hey, it's Hollywood magic. It's uh, you know, it would take a machete to do what he fucking did, and <laughs> and and plus to be holding a full grown man up in one hand and then take the knife in the other hand and stab him. Yes, and no wonder he just choked the other two to death. He was fucking tired from stabbing Bob, you know. <laughs> and what I also love about this movie is. When Laurie Strode finally goes to investigate, because now yeah. she's starting to get that something is is off, but she doesn't quite have it. She heads over. Uh, she's like, she's looking around, and then, boom, she finds the headstone of Judy Myers with the body of Annie on the bed. Right. And that's when she backs out and freaks out. Linda, he shoved Linda in the closet. Right. Because he's like, because he had to have been, I, I want to see Michael Myers like, okay, she's going to come in. She's going to see this. She's yeah, he's actually blocking it, you know. Yeah. Thing, <laughs> that kind of, eh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bob's going to come flying down. Right. And I'm going to be here with the dimmer. I've installed a light. Yeah. Uh, we've got that. <laughs> yeah, it, because it is. It, it, she has to step in exactly the right way and do exactly the right thing to find all of these fucking bodies. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it is a good example of of putting a haunted house in a movie mm-hmm. because that's what it is. He set he set up Carpenter, the director, has set up some scares, and then finally he attacks her. She fall cuts her arm and she falls off the edge, and then the chase is on at that point. Like it's Michael Myers is coming after her, and I gotta say for the pressure she's under, Laurie Strode, very resourceful vinyl girl, very strong. But stop dropping your makeshift weapons every every goddamn, goddamn time. time. Every she fucking st- time. She stabs him, I think first with the pin. Now, okay, I get yeah. that. That stabs in his neck. With the so needle, he, yeah. It's a big the needle. needle. Yeah. Knitting needle. Stabs him with that, he goes. Mm-hmm. But she has his knife at that point, because yes. he had a knife with him. Yes. And she's just like, oh, that's done. And throws the knife to the side. Right. And then she goes to get Tommy and Lindsay who she's locked up upstairs. Right. Now I want to note something about this. Cause there's a tribute to this scene in screen yeah. where he, he says, I want you to go down the street to the McKenzie's house and, and call the police. And then she sends them on their way right. in scream after Drew Barrymore's character is killed. The father grabs the mother when they notice that their daughter has gone missing yeah. and says, I want you to go down to the McKenzie's house and call the cops. That's a little tribute that he put in there to Halloween. Yeah. I like to think that this is in-universe. The yeah. McKenzie's have moved away from Hadfield where they right. experienced this yeah. awful fucking crime down the street. Yeah. And now here's this crazy fucking mother yeah. coming in. My daughter's been killed. My daughter's been killed. Yeah. Not a fucking gin, yeah. man. Yeah, the poor what fucking the shit. The poor fucking McKenzie's, you come to find out they moved to Milwaukee and someone comes running up and it's just a little Filipino boy talking about his name is Dahmer and he's trying to kill me and the cops want to send me back. And the McKenzie's are like, fuck this. We're not doing this again. Take your ass back to your crazy ass boyfriend. You know, shit like that, you know. Uh, and of course, they moved she to thought she killed him. <laughs> sorority sister runs up screaming, this guy named Bundy. Anyway, it, it's a whole thing. <laughs> the poor goddamn McKenzie's. Uh, you know what? Screw it. We'll just go to Montana, live in a cabin in the woods. Yeah. There's no way Nothing. anyone could ever. <laughs> Nothing. Ted fucking no, Kaczynski. Um, <laughs> God 
damn it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, of course, the shape is not dead from the knitting needle because that's a that's a wussy way to yeah. go out. She would have so. Had a, plus, she would have had to nail him when like dead in the jugular for that one. And so, she sends the kids away. She's like, "All right, good run, run, whatever." Yeah. And she runs into the bedroom yeah. in one of the most famous scenes. I love this yeah. scene because this is a classic. How in the hell do you get out of this scene? Yeah. Which is, she runs into the closet. She closes it and ties it off. Mm-hmm. Tries to hold her breath. So, because to which he's like, bitch, I'm 15 feet yeah. away. I could hear the closet door shut. You're she not was hiding. smart enough to open <laughs> the window to the balcony. That's, to, tr- I mean, that's true. To try and fool him into, oh, she went out the balcony. I get it. I, I, I get it. She tried. She tried. That's true. That's true. But like, he's she also failed, but she tried. That's also. He's also two steps away. How about from this? The door. How about <laughs> this? Jiggle the fucking closet door, making him think you went in the closet, and then go actually go over the fucking balcony. How about that one? <laughs> but uh, but by this point, so he, she has not sent the kids away. She's only locked them in the bathroom for this part. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's probably why the, she's trying to stick around for the kids. That's true. Yeah. That, that that's logical for yeah. not jumping off the balcony. Right. But. But so for me, in there. fuck them kids. <laughs> they ain't related so, to me. <laughs> see, this is why you would die in a horror movie. Yeah. You're the yeah. asshole who's like, yeah. fuck everyone else. Yeah. And you yeah. run outside and the axe hits exactly. you right in the face. Exactly. But uh, mm-hmm. that's okay. I'm the stoner pothead comedic relief. I'm dead for oh, multiple yeah. reasons. Yeah. Many, many and, reasons. And so he tries to, to get through the closet. He starts busting through the door. This is an iconic scene now. I mean, this... Yeah. This is up there with the shower scene in Psycho. This is up yeah. there with, with Leatherface screaming and howling at the sky at the end yeah. of Texas Chainsaw. And But there is something pretty clever here. Joan Crawford is wrong. You want wire, wire hangers. hangers. You goddamn right. You want to unwrap that shit and yeah. stab him in the fucking eye. Yeah. And then stabs him in the eye. He drops the knife. So she does the logical thing. She picks, picks up the knife. Up. She stabs him in the chest. And this time she hangs on to the fucker and it slowly slides out. He falls. He's dead. I'm just going to throw the knife onto the damn ground again. Right next to him. Right next to him. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, at this point, she slowly walks out. And then there's that great shot that I love where he slowly rises up. And and it's that, it's that, it's like, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm. The I Undertaker. Mean, oh, is that? <laughs> you know, he just sits straight up. Just pops right up. Uh, again, further proof of great upper body strength. I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, he, he's got a tight midsection. That's right. His core is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when he grabs her to strangle her, he makes a mistake. He doesn't pick yeah. up the knife either. Right. Uh, but he starts to strangle her and she gets the mask off of him. Right. Uh, we get to see him briefly. And he puts the mask on. And then, finally, Loomis, who saw the kids, who finally ran out of the house and started right. screaming at the top of their lungs. Uh, Loomis sees it, comes, shoots him six times! Yes. I say that because I love it, the sequel. Yes. I shot him six times! <laughs> six times! <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is a human! Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> shoots him six times now here's an interesting thing that's also a nice behind the scenes thing he falls off the balcony loomis goes and looks there he is he's dead on the ground finally 
looks back. Is that the boogeyman? Actually, I think it is. Looks back off the balcony. Michael Myers is gone, gone. and we we leave with bre- heavy breathing throughout the various locations where he's been. Right. And you don't know where he is. He's everywhere. That's the idea behind mm-hmm. that. The carpenter said. Now that scene of Doctor Loomis in the script, Doctor mm-hmm. Loomis was supposed to notice and freak the fuck out and run out and yeah. just freak out. It was Donald Pleasance that came up to him and said, "I know who this guy is. I know what he is. I've thrown hints through this whole movie that I know who Michael Myers is or right. what he really is." When I just do one take. Uh, where when I look and I see that he's not there, I give a very knowing look. Yeah, I give a very silent, quiet look. Yeah, and John Carpenter said when he did that, he knew that was the right take. Right, and and it does. It plays like gangbusters. If I had seen Doctor Loomis, where is he? Where is he? Like I do in the second movie. Uh, yeah. Well, pleasant. I, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I, it wouldn't have sold the scene. Because at this yeah. point, we need to calm down. Everything needs to be quiet. Right. Because yeah. he's disappeared. And right. we need to hear that breathing and all that. So, and Pleasance, uh, uh, just a great, great choice. Yeah, Pleasance knew his character. He he didn't initially. He, that's one of the things he initially complained about in the movie, was that there wasn't enough about his character. He, he needed to know motivation and things like that. But he... But he He's, he, I think what ended up happening is he kind of developed it on his own because he initially there was a scene in the movie where he was supposed to call his wife and he was going to talk about how, oh, you know, I won't be home. You know, the kids are blah, blah, blah and all this. So you were going to learn through this phone call a little bit about Sam Loomis. And then he's the one that went to Carpenter and said, no, just as much as you don't know anything about Michael, you shouldn't know anything about Sam Loomis either. They should be adversary and foe and nothing more. It and, should be yeah. that archetype yeah. more than and it's, and it's, flesh and blood characters. Yeah. And it's and 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 it works so perfect not knowing it. Because I think that's a lot of why the sequels work so goddamn much is that you were like, I need to know more. I want to know more. You know? <laughs> it, 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 it's, and unfortunately, and, they told us. Uh, <laughs> well, well, in some cases, I, yeah. I'm actually some of them are good. That. Yeah, some of them are good. We'll get to that here in a second. But yeah, um, now we don't want to talk about the latest film, right? Because we're, we're going to do that one later. We pr- we right. probably will. I'm yeah. going to talk about just it just mention a little bit. it. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, is I'm actually not going to talk about any of these films very much because yeah. this film has ten sequels, reboots, right. remakes. I, I don't have that much time. I mean, yeah. I could talk about Halloween forever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't want to upload a like four, four and a half hour podcast. Right. Yeah. No, what I actually want to talk about to this, to, to this is to any newcomers out there, there's something you need to know about the Halloween series. Yeah. There are not, there is not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different timelines. Yes. Working at work in this series. Now, there's Halloween 1 and 2. Halloween 2 takes place right after 1. It's actually an amazing sequel. I actually would like to talk about that one at a later date. Yeah. One that I know we're going to talk about, the first deviation is that they tried to make an anthology series without Michael Myers for the third film called Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Again, can't talk about it too much because we're going to get to that one, ladies and gentlemen. 
Yeah. But I will say that's the first deviation. That's the first timeline. Right. After that sequel failed, and Mustafa was like, you need to have Michael Myers. You need yeah. to have Michael Myers. <laughs> Myers, is a, My, Myers is your main character. He's your main bad guy. Yeah. Uh, he would bring him back in the aptly titled Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Right. And that was the start of what I either like to call, of the second timeline, of what I like to call either the Dr. Loomis trilogy, because Loomis returns improbably after somehow getting surviving, getting blown to hell at the end of two right. comes back with a scar on his face. And he was like, look what happened to me. Yeah. Like, not very fucking much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Compared to what fucking happened in that <laughs> hospital. Not much at fucking all, dude. You're a lucky son of a bitch. Or if I don't call it the Loomis trilogy, I'll call it the thorn trilogy because Ugh. the, the end of the fourth film sort of suggests a very supernatural thing for Michael Myers because right. in four, the way they explained it was, is that he was just in a hospital in a coma, uh, from being, and then he learns he has a niece and he comes after his niece. Right. And it's basically Halloween all over again, but it's one of the better sequels. Yeah. Halloween five, they just threw a bunch of shit in there that uh, they threw this man in black and they threw this weird symbol, runic symbol in there. Right. And they never explained any of it. That's actually a what? Norse um, uh, Viking rune. Yeah. It's actually yeah. the Thorn rune. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I'm getting to that. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. They didn't know what the fuck any of that was. Yeah. They didn't even know it was a fucking Thorn rune. Yeah. Rune in, rune rune. in that movie. They were just yeah. like, the writer of Six will have to figure this shit out. <laughs> and, and, and Daniel Ferens, who wrote Halloween Six, yeah. Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah actually makes a good movie. He tries to get back to the basics. Right. But he has to deal with this weird The shit. Cult of Thorn, yeah. The Cult of Thorn, which originally, and I thought this would be actually yeah. a good idea, originally the whole town was going to be revealed to be a part of the Cult of Thorn. Yeah. And, but they backed away from that and they just made it Smith Grove, Smith Grove Sanitarium. And, right. And all that. Feature film debut premiere of... Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yep. That's his first film. <laughs> Even before Clueless. They're both the yep. same year, but that's the one he shot first. Yep. Um, yeah. Paul Rudd was asked about the film. He said, well, I got to work with Donald Pleasance, and that's all he would say about it. Yeah. Paul Rudd really did not like making the movie. A lot of them didn't. That's why there's actually two cuts of the film. There's a producer's cut and the theatrical cut. I recommend the theatrical cut, actually, because yeah. the theatrical cut goes more towards getting back to Michael Myers as a killer trying to get to his target. Right. Uh, the producer's cut has a lot more of the runic stuff and all that. And right. I just don't feel like any of that works. So after that film happens, what happens at that point is Jamie Lee Curtis wants to come back, but uh Oh yeah, we killed her in a car accident and <laughs> before yeah. the events of Halloween four, what the hell are we going to do? Well, they hired Kevin Williamson, and Kevin Williamson did try to put four, five, and six in the continuity. Right. And there was a scene where she was actually going to find out that her daughter had been killed, that she for some reason didn't take with her, but yeah. th had been killed, and that was going to make her go to the bathroom and throw up. She was going to have to deal with that guilt yeah. in the film as well. The problem was, is, as I just pointed out, there's too many plot holes as to you know, yeah. why would she have come back or why would she have not have 
you know, done something more. Right. There's just too many questions. So at that point, when they rewrite it, they say, okay, this is a sequel to Halloween two, four, five, and six never happened. And you have your third timeline, timeline. the H2O yeah. timeline. Now, my recommendation for this one, watch one, watch two, and watch H2O. H2O, if you watch this timeline, is an excellent ending to an excellent Laurie Strode uh, trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. Now, it is like a Scream movie. It's yeah. basically a Scream clone of a movie. Right. But that works in its favor. It's of its time. You know, you can't help it. Jamie Lee Curtis, that scene where she busts out the axe... Right. And she walks up and the music, the Halloween music's building up and she just screams, Michael, that's some awesome shit, dude. Yeah. And she goes to town on his ass. Yep. But not, not as much as she would later. But the problem yeah. is, is <laughs> problem is, is this film was a huge hit mm -hmm. and Mustafa Akkad did have one note for H2O. Yeah. You can't kill off Michael Myers. Right. But here's a problem. Jamie Lee Curtis says, if I can't kill off Michael Myers, I ain't coming back. Right. So Kevin Williamson walks into the office and says, all right, Mustafa, here's what you do. Lop off her head. Lop off, let her lop off his head at the end of H2O. Michael Myers is dead. She gets what she wants. Yeah. But in the sequel, here's the scene, and I'll give it to you, where, I where you learn that he switched bodies with someone else. He crushed the larynx of the guy. He couldn't speak. So when he's reaching out to her, He's actually saying, help me. Yeah. And it's a paramedic. And that's how he survives. That is a yeah. very clever start to what would be 2002's Halloween Resurrection. Yeah. And then five minutes later, they kill off Laurie Strode almost flippantly. And then he goes home where Busta fucking Rhymes is shooting a reality television show yep. in his house. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> this is the first. Here's the thing. I've talked about how the impact Plus, of Halloween. <laughs> hey, for all y'all motherfuckers out there, you millennials and shit, go back and listen to some old Buster Rhymes. That shit was good. I ain't gonna lie. I do. He's rap. a he's a he's a perfectly good rapper. Yes, he's a very shitty actor. Yes, he is. <laughs> but here's the thing: with a face for radio, I've I've always talked about how these films, or, or how the first film impacted me, and it stuck with me to this day. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the when I what I mean by that, one of the things I mean by that is that also means a lot of the sequels worked on me. Halloween two worked on me. Halloween five, uh, four, even five, when the Myers house turned into a fucking castle instead of a nice little house in the suburbs. Right. Uh, even that one sort of worked on me when I was younger. Halloween Resurrection is the first Halloween film where I walked out going, "That was a." fucking piece of shit yeah like, Just go, nope. that was a horrifyingly bad movie yeah but again it made money so they were going to make a sequel yeah however at this time due to the bad fan reception of halloween resurrection which is deservedly considered the lowest point of the series right we were also going through the remake craze of the 2000s yeah and so mm. Malik Akkad, who is now the guy controlling things, understandably wants to reboot Halloween. And to be honest, with as convoluted as all the stories and everything had gotten, yeah. I kind of understand why you would want to do that. Yeah. In 2007, he hires Rob Zombie 
and we get our fourth timeline, the remake timeline, mm-hmm. with 2007's Halloween. Now, I have a love-hate, more-hate relationship Same. with the Halloween remake. I like that Rob Zombie tried to do something different yes. with the material. Yes. I hate that it's a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. Well, see, I, I, in, it's too gory. It's yeah. too for me. For me, real quick, it's too gory. It's too bloody for a Halloween movie. Yeah. Uh, even because even when Halloween got a little bit bloodier and gorier with some of the sequels, it never got yeah. outright just terrible yeah. blood and guts. And also, he spends half the film explaining who Michael Myers is and where he came from and right. his backstory. And it's the most generic backstory. His yeah. his mother is played by Sherry Moon Zombie. Why? Because Rob Zombie can't make a fucking movie without his wife. I don't know yeah. why, but she's got to be in every single damn one of them. Uh, Look at she's her. A I'd put her in everything, too. <laughs> she's, mm, a stri- <laughs> she's, a, she's a stripper. His dad's an abusive asshole. Judith is a bitch. Like, so, yeah. yeah. And, and, but the biggest sin was Dr. Loomis. You picked the right guy. Yeah. To take over for the late, great Donald Pleasance. You pick Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. That's perfect. When I saw that, and when I saw that first screenshot they released of him in the trench coat, yeah. I was like, yes, motherfucker, this is Lan- this is Loomis. And yeah. then I'll watch it, and I'm like, man, he's such an opportunistic whore- yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah. And again, I get it. He's trying to do different things with it, whatever. I just couldn't get behind it. But I can at least say about the first one, that it has its fans. Yeah. And I get why it has its fans. Thankfully, we're all pretty much in agreement that Rob Zombie lost his fucking mind with Halloween 2. Well, here's my well, here's my here's my thoughts on this. It, I uh love Rob Zombie as a horror filmmaker. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, uh 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 Devil's rejects. Devil's rejects. Uh, I, I just I love them. To me, he he that trilogy, Three from Hell, added into that. You, you that trilogy actually goes up into iconic horror territory. He created watch, something. Um, I need to watch Three from Hell. Uh, it's, I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Now I'll say this much about that because I want to cover these movies later. But I will say this much about Three from Hell: not as good as the first two, but yeah. still a good movie. Um, now, and so I love Rob Zombie horror films. I love when Rob Zombie takes his own creation and makes horror films. Um, he very much makes tributes to 70s grindhouse horror. Um, so that being said, obviously a big Texas Chainsaw fan. (laughs) Yeah. And that being said, I was very happy that he was going to be doing a Halloween uh, reboot. I thought, okay, yeah, well, he's kind of the new master of horror for this time period. Period. So, yeah, let's hand it to him. He'll love it. He loves old horror. You know, he'll do it justice. Um, my biggest complaint is this. Um, you were absolutely right about um, him telling too much of the Michael Myers story. Um, because, as we talked about earlier, that's part of the mystique. You're not supposed to know who the fuck Michael Myers is. He's just evil incarnate. You don't want to sympathize with him because he, you know, was abused or whatever because this kid wasn't 
he he's not supposed to be abused. He's supposed to be from an idyllic, you know, background, and he just went wrong somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, you take this movie and take the Michael Myers mask out of it. You make it a movie um, solely about watching an abused child go down that spiral into madness to where he eventually kills, he snaps and kills, I'm all about the movie. I, 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 I would say, goddamn zombie, you did a great fucking movie, man. That was pretty cool. But yeah. to tag it with Halloween, no, no. And, and yes, and, Halloween 2, what the fuck was he thinking? My Money. God. <laughs> well, well that, I mean, what it was is, is the, the producer's... Um, uh, Malik Akkad has, has said that like when he went back to Rob Zombie, he said, yeah. you don't have to stick to any John Carpenterisms this time. Do right. your own movie. Right. You you shouldn't always tell a director to do whatever they want because right. they will. Yeah. And, and, and in this case, that's when the case, artist comes out. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, somehow Loomis is an even bigger dirt bag. And this one, somehow yeah. Laurie Strode, Laurie Strode comes off as a total bitch. I wanted her yeah. to die. Yeah. I didn't care. Uh, you see half of Tyler Maine's face in the mask. I mean, right. it's, the, the mask is a little bit too tattered and, yeah. and torn up. Uh, and they're having these weird visions, both him and Laurie Strode, who didn't even know her real mother. Yeah. They're having visions of her mother, which means there's some sort of supernatural thing going on. Right. And, and a white horse, because why the fuck not? Yeah. That's, that's the only reason. What's the white horse represent? Death. Like, oh, okay, shut the fuck up. Yeah, whatever. For me. Yeah. But anyway, that movie came out. It was a hit. Uh, yeah. They were going to move forward with a sequel to Halloween 2. It was going to be called uh, Halloween 3D because the craze now was 3D was had just 3D. come back yeah. after Avatar. Uh, but yeah. they eventually canceled that because I think, once again, I will say the producers do eventually listen to the fans. Right and 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 they definitely just did not want another sequel to what Rob Zombie had done, and and so for a while it languished. I mean, 2009 was when Halloween Two comes out. Yeah, and 2016 and 2017, Bloomhouse, that wonderful wonderful studio. Yes. You have to understand. You have to understand. At this point, I'm thinking I'm never going to see another Halloween film that I'm going to like. Right. This is where I'm at with Halloween. Right. And they announce, we're going to do a Halloween film. Cool. They don't give any way details. Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back as Laurie Strode. Awesome. Fucking how? How? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But that's cool. She's going to be involved somehow. Which means we're going to be ignoring some timelines again. Yep. And so we come to the fifth timeline. Now, the writers, uh, which one of them is actually the director too, David Gordon Green. I think yeah. I got his name right. And Danny McBride, of all people, yeah. start work on the next script. Now, their original idea was to follow Halloween's 1 and 2. They did want to include 2 in their script initially. That was their, their plan anyway. Right. When Jamie Lee Curtis signed on, she was the one that had only one condition, and she said none of the other sequels, including Halloween 2, exists anymore. Yeah. We're making a sequel to the OG Halloween. Right. And that's what they did. I, the only, my, when my biggest problem with the film 
is that I just I wish it was called Halloween Returns so it would fit the new titling right. of these movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's saying something. This is my yeah. favorite sequel. It used to be yeah. Halloween Two. Halloween Two used to be my favorite, which sequel, is a great but, sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very unique, taking place immediately after the first one. Right. I mean, on the same night. This replaced that movie as my favorite sequel. Yeah. They they got. They, did they get everything right? No, but they got more right than they got wrong. And we are going to talk more about that movie because yeah. uh, this is the fifth and final timeline. I call this one the Laurie Strode saga. Right. Because apparently Jamie Lee Curtis has signed on for all three of these films. Yeah. We got this one. Next year, we're getting Halloween Kills. And then the next year after that, we're going to get Halloween Ends. Thanks to this stupid fucking pandemic. We didn't get one this year because Halloween right. Kills was supposed to be, be this year and the pandemic delayed the production enough that they had to hold everything off. Right. Uh, here's some things we do know about Halloween Kills, though. Anthony Michael Hall is playing Tommy Doyle. Awesome. And they he he leaked a picture. I, I think it was a picture he thought he could share yeah. of himself as Tommy Lee Doyle. And it's him looking Tommy over Lee his Doyle. Tommy Lee is he Boyle. now Lee now? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Uh, it's him looking back at the camera and he's holding a bat. Like he's yeah. going hunting. Oh, cool. Um, they actually got Kyle Richards to come back as Lindsay. So Lindsay will be back in the movie. Wow. Wow. They got yeah. the original actress. But there's Beverly a really... Hills housewife herself. Yeah. <laughs> Coming right back. Yeah. To the role that no one remembered she was even in. Yeah, that's right. But uh, the cool one for me, though, Charles Cyphers is returning as, as Lee Brackett. Bracket? No, bracket, shit. Bracket is coming back. I there's had not heard that on one. Set. I heard about there's everything a, else, but but yeah. There's a picture of him on set. He is coming cool. back. Probably not for very long. Yeah, <laughs> because he's 9,000 years old. Yeah. Uh, um, let me see something here. Go ahead and talk a little bit. I, well, I um, you know, I, I, I love this movie. I think it's great. Now, here's something that I absolutely love about this movie. And it's a very small thing. It's not going to get into that movie. But but it, 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 it with one line, well, two lines in this film, they not only let you know that Halloween's two through infinity never work, never were, but they allow you to hang on to them as something you can still watch. Because she looks at her and says, "Wasn't like your mom, his like sister or something," and she just looks at her and says, "No, that was all just stories that were made up." After rumors what happened, and rumors and conjecture. So now you can sit there and say Halloween's two through whatever are those are the lore. That's lore that was around this one event that happened. And then you, these movies are what actually happened. Do you do you another yeah. one even better? Uh, the woman who gets killed at the bathroom. Mm hmm. A lot of those scenes, a lot of those setups are a lot like the woman who's trapped in the bathroom in H2O. People yeah. noted that there were similarities there. Uh, the guy finding the dead mechanic without the suit, yeah. that's Halloween 4. Yeah. They threw tributes to everything in there. In fact, when, when Michael Myers shows back up on the streets of Haddonfield and he's going on his little mini rampage, yeah. he runs into three kids 
and they're wearing the three masks. The shamrock mask. Yeah. The shamrock mask. Silver shamrock. So, because Danny McBride said, look, we love the sequels. Yeah. We just can't follow that story. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that we can follow. So, yeah, it's got a wonderful tribute. And and I say watch all the Halloween films, even the ones I said I didn't like, because, I mean... And that's and another thing I love you just mentioned, by the way, is Danny McBride wrote this film. But we're going to get into that when we cover this film. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah you know. uh, real quick, uh, I'm showing something to Jason, so I know you guys at, at home won't be able to see this. But first off, Charles Cyphers is 81 years old, wow. uh, just to give you his age. Wow. And there he is from the set. As Lee Brackett, I'll be damned. In a, in a police uniform. Yep. And yep. there's actually... There was actually some set photos that were released. This is speculation, by the way. We're yeah. entering speculation zone. There were some behind-the-scenes things that suggested that we're going to get flashbacks to 1978. Oh, wow. Because there were there were certain sets and setups that was like, that looks like the house from 78. Like, that yeah. looks like this. And it looks like they tried to... I think someone may have noted a car or something that looks like it's from the 70s. Yeah. And so... I think we might be going, maybe they'll de-age Charles Cyphers. Yeah. Who knows? Put a little bit of that Marvel magic on. Hell, yeah. they made enough They made enough damn money off Halloween. That's for Who sure. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah. Um, Halloween 2018, real quick, uh, was also financially the most successful film. I'll only bring this up just because, ladies and gentlemen, Bloomhouse has cracked the code on how to make a hit film. That's right. Uh, Halloween was made for $15 million at its highest predicted budget. Right. Halloween made $255.5 million at the box office. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what you do. That's a win. <laughs> that is a huge win. For instance, uh, but, but, and following, this is what Bloomhouse has done. They've gone back to basics. For instance, the original Halloween budget, $300,000. Made them millions. Uh, Which one? Fa- uh, the the original Halloween in seventy eight. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, in fact, Mustafa Khan was at that point budgeting another film. I can't remember which one it was. He was he was funding another one, and it was costing him roughly three hundred thousand a day. So when they walked in and said, and he said, "Okay, how much do you need to make this movie?" and they said three hundred thousand, even whole thing, he was like. Yeah, make it. I'll write the check right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love how in one of the interviews I saw of him where he talked about that. Yeah. He he said, he said, I kind of looked at him and went, okay, that's a lot of money, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You always play that angle. Oh, "Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're breaking my bank here. We'll do it. But I'll tell you one thing real quick. Uh, You want to talk about budget to yeah. box office profit Stephen King's it 27 the 2017 film yeah the movie was made for 35 million dollars yeah you want to guess how much it made uh, I I would say upwards of 500 million 700.5 million dollars good god good here's god the, and the I thought though. I was going high by 500 and here's the yeah. thing it chapter 2 yeah was made for now it didn't make as much as the first one, obviously. Yeah, but was only made for sixty-five million, despite yeah. the star power of Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy, right? And Bill Hader, who probably got most of that budget. But yeah, it made 
$450 million. That's yeah. still a solid hit. Yeah. Like for sure. May, if there's anything we've learned from this, from, from, from horror films yeah. is that uh, we're in a pandemic. We got to crunch some numbers, yeah. make horror films. Yeah. And the thing, uh, and the thing is too, is, is uh, what I love about horror films now um, they are getting back to basics in other ways, and that is with special effects. They they are relying a whole lot less on CGI, which we went through the CGI phase throughout the 2000s and then the 2010s. It doesn't work. It looks too crisp. Horror has what to if- have some kind of a grit to it, and that's what the practical effects give you. You know, I I'll give just one quick example of that, and this is. This is another movie we're going to cover at another time. But in 2010, they did the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Yes. And there's a scene that pays tribute to the scene in the first one where Freddy emerges from the wall. Yes. Uh, from behind the wall and, and yeah. you kind of see yeah. it. It's CGI in 2010. Right. And it looks god awful. Yep. But you go and watch the first movie... And it, he, he slowly comes through, and yeah. then he really comes through. Yeah. That's that's just a stretched out piece of fucking nylon over a piece over of wall a piece, with, yeah. Freddy, yeah. with Robert England they created through. a They created a frame with nylon stretched over it, and, it, and yeah, it works. It works. It works God so well. It. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, I'm really liking that, that these, these modern horror movies, they're, they're bringing the grit back to it. Uh, they're and they're bringing the uh, so much so that the, some of these movies have actually gone back and paid tribute to like seventies films by adding the pops and crackles into the into them, and because they just realize that that's the only way horror works. If you make horror too polished, it's it, it will never work because you, you you're not scared of polish. You're scared of this gritty thing that looks like it could be just some footage of somebody being killed. You know, it's, that's where. I think found footage goes a little bit too far in the opposite right. direction. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to kind of feel like this footage was found. Right. Like yeah. this you want to feel at least like this film was found in a deep dark cave somewhere right. in a studio and it's like, yeah. what's this? Terror from beyond the grave? Sure, let's see what the holy shit. Yeah. Like Yeah. Come on. And it's people. and it's Corman taught us how to do this. Yes, he did. <laughs> Which we will be getting to Corman eventually, folks. Trust me, we've got a whole thing planned for our breaks uh, <laughs> between seasons. We're gonna we're gonna pay tribute to some of the you know the biggest names in in horror and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But more on that later. Um, so, <sighs> but yeah, I mean, of course, this all starts. We're starting to talk about Halloween, right? Um, the the sequels. There you go. You've got the five. Just uh, one capper to the se- talking about sequels. If you're wondering when Halloween Kills comes out next year, what do I need to watch yeah. uh, to get re- prepared for it? Watch Halloween '78 and Halloween '18. You're caught up. You yeah. don't technically have to yeah. watch all of those sequels, although I do recommend it. Yeah, at least to get some of the references. Yeah, uh, but, at least uh, uh, I would say four or five, uh, two, four, and five yeah. for sure. 
the 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 silver shamrock mask. You're not. Yeah, you'll see that in in eighteen. But <laughs> but you don't have to watch three to see why. Even though I love three, but that's the reason why we're going to cover it. And a lot of people hated it, but it's still to me one of the best horror movies made in the eighties. Anyway, uh, oh, um, talk about a movie that made a cult cult comeback. Oh we'll yeah, 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 um, for sure. But yeah, my yeah. but. Going back to this original Halloween film, I'm gonna try to calm down a little bit because yeah. you know, I've been I've been excited, man. Because this is yeah. this is for me. I, I don't even think I set this up at the beginning. When people ask me what is my favorite horror movie, right? If Ghostface Killer was to call me on the phone right now, what's your favorite scary movie? I'd be mm. like Halloween, hands down. Yeah. You want to come in and watch it? I pop yeah. some popcorn. I got Jiffy Pop. But anyway. Uh, it's my favorite horror film of all time. Not necessarily my favorite horror series because yeah. of all the craziness that happened with the series, but right. it is my favorite horror film of all time, personally. And mine, but too. To, but yeah. but to bring it back down and just to say why, the performances are great, the direction is great, the story is tight, the scares are genuine, yeah. it's got a chilling atmosphere. I understand why every horror film after wanted to imitate this one in particular. Right. And uh, I don't even have to, uh, do I have to even say a grade? It's an A no, plus. No, I mean, yeah, come on. It's, it's an A plus. It's if I an give a it plus. higher than an A plus, I'd give it that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, this and is I in the agree. AP class of horror films, people. Right. And I agree. This is, this is my favorite uh, of all time. I love this movie. Um, it, it started my, um, obsession with, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis also, who, to this day, is still the one of the sexiest women that has ever lived on the planet. Uh, <laughs> and um, there's actually a 23 know. minute interview from Variety, real quick. Yeah, uh, that was just re- Variety uploaded. It's her and Nev Campbell talking to each other. Yeah, uh, the reign of the scream queens is what they're calling it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> to which it opens with Jamie Lee Curtis going. So she's wearing a Michael Myers like face mask. Yeah. And she's like, so since I did this, I win, right? I, I mean, I'm not competitive, but I am. So I win, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, she is so fantastic. Oh, I, she's I amazing. When she starred with Chris Evans in Knives Out, and I just, yeah. I loved it whenever little Captain America showed up. Yeah. And, and her response on Instagram was, certainly got my attention. Way to go, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's but, uh, amazing. I I think she's great, fantastic. and she's uh, and she's been um a uh, a kick ass female in movies for years. She's always been at the forefront of uh, showing uh, girls and 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 even full grown women. You know, hey, this is what you can be. You can be strong and still be sexy and still be uh you know just a. a Oh, the woman for everything, you know, yeah. uh, and I rem- I still remember whenever in the late 90s when she did her first photo shoot um, without makeup and all that jazz and said, no, we're not going to do any airbrushing or anything. I want the world to see me as I really am still just beautiful as could be. But just to show those flaws and be like, no. It, it, so she's not only a great actress and all that. She's an inspiration. And, and show uh, how those flaws 
add to the beauty of the right. woman. Right, yeah. It doesn't take away yeah. from the beauty of the exactly. woman. Exactly. Uh, this also starts you on the quest of John Carpenter, though, as, as yes. well, in terms of a film. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. From this, he, I mean, the dude would do The Fog, Escape from New York, They yeah. Live, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, the thing. we will definitely get to, yeah. Prince of Darkness, In the Mouth of Madness. I mean, my God, this dude's got a great... Right. If, if there's ever a Mount Rushmore of horror, Carpenter's face is on there. Oh, it's yeah, with for Alfred, sure. It's with, it's with Alfred Hitchcock and Wes Craven, God right. damn it. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, so Halloween, I mean, it's it's just a fantastic movie. I can't say anything more than that. Of course, go watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with that, well, you know, is that uh, is that going to be it for us, JT? Well, I'll go ahead and set up some things that are coming up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to actually try, try, I'm going to see how this works out, to post horror movie reviews yeah. uh, to the Facebook uh, group. On Fridays. Yeah. After, the first one will come out the first Friday after Halloween. Yeah. I've got to get through Halloween. Ironically, I have to get through Halloween. I'm doing a lot of other reviews and watchings and things like that. So yeah, I'm going to try to post that. I'm also going to try to post other things into the group. But I encourage other people to post in the group as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, again, these horror film reviews will be written reviews for films that either we're going to get to so far down the line, you'll forget that you even read my written review or it's so obscure. We're probably never even going to get to it. All so, right. uh, and, and you threw down the gauntlet last week. So now I gotta, I gotta watch chopping mall, I guess. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm considering, <laughs> I'm considering that one. Um, but, uh, and I guess also uh, real quick, if, if you want me to, I can uh, give a hint at what our next film will be on the yeah, next go ahead. episode. Go ahead. Uh, which I'm actually kind of glad we, I forgot to mention next week's episode. Right. Yeah. Last week, it actually turned out to be fortuitous because next yeah. week's episode was supposed to be this week's, but we wanted to cover Halloween because it's fucking Halloween. Right. Um, it's quite logical. I've got to pull up my list here though. And it I should don't be eraser head. I believe it. it, it uh, if I remember 1977's eraser head. Yeah. And, the, and then, uh, you know what? I'm gonna give a. I'm gonna give them a little preview of everything. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, we've got a racer head because we've got five episodes left in mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do a racer head. Yeah. Also from 1977, we're gonna do Suspiria. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Uh, there's a caveat to Suspiria, folks. Maybe used to be on streaming services. It is fucking gone i can't find it anywhere and i actually went to look for the film on like uh blu-ray even an old copy on dvd and i can't find it so that one may be changing i uh will rent it off amazon if i have to yeah (laughs) okay uh but but yeah i mean if we have to change it we have to change it uh dawn of the dead in 1978 the, the film and then we go to 1979 and we round everything out with Ridley Scott's Alien. Yep. And Don Coscarelli's Phantasm. Phantasm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Boy. Yes. <laughs> Just a fucking masterpiece of what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
that is going to be the whole episode for the hour. It's yeah. just us going, what the what fuck the was that? Fuck? What the yeah. fuck was this? <laughs> yeah, There's a fucking sure. metal ball with a drill. What the hell did that come from? For what sure. the fuck is this other dimension? What the fuck are the jaw was doing in here? Right. Uh, <laughs> well, but, uh, that's what we've got coming up. Awesome. And, uh, God, I didn't realize Suspiria was that hard to find. I'm, I'm glad it is. It is very hard to find. Um, just a real quick uh, little thing here. Uh, before uh, You can email us at horrorbrospod at gmail.com. I want to make sure you all know that. Please send us some feedback. Tell us movies you want to see in the future or whatever or you want to hear us listen, uh, listen to us jabber on about. Um, but here's uh, something that... Uh, JT and I, we mentioned that we, we we recorded Black Christmas twice because we fucked it up the second time. <laughs> uh, actually, we didn't really fuck it up. We lost it to a power outage, but uh, but the the first time. Uh, and in the first time we recorded that, I remember we talked. We Kier Dulé is in that film. Uh, Dulé. Right. And in the first time we recorded it, we talked about the fact that he... Um, uh, was supposed to be the next big thing in movies. He was going to be the guy. Um, unfortunately, just never worked out for him. Now, what we never mention, and uh, what JT will love about this, uh, is the reason why he was supposed to be the next big thing in movies. A, the dude looked phenomenal. But uh, B, he was Dave in 2001, A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Uh, which yep. is JT's, like, for some reason, favorite movie and the bane of my fucking existence. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It's one of, one of, it's one of yes. my favorite films, yes. but it's, it's one of my favorite sci-fi films. Right. Uh, and and for, for many, many reasons, but I, I don't want to get that. Yeah. Uh, why yeah. did you bring that up again? Uh, because he was in Black Christmas. And, uh, and, and we covered that in there, and, but, but I just thought it was a fun little nugget to throw in at the end of this episode. Cause I usually say something funny, you know, about the episode, but, uh, today I, 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 for some reason I saw, I watched a documentary on 2001, a space odyssey today. And I did want to mention that not only was Kier Dulé in uh, black Christmas, he was also in 2001, a space odyssey. We didn't. We didn't mention that in the no. movie, in the episode. We didn't, oddly <laughs> enough. We didn't mention it. I'm surprised I didn't mention it. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the episode, like it was Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will say this: in Black Christmas, shows a hell of a lot more emotion. Yeah, he does. He doesn't, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, 2001's but, kind of a horror film. It's got a monster in it. It's just an AI computer. You're right. Yeah. Um, it, and it's, it's the bane of your fucking existence. Yeah, it is. It is horrific. Anytime it takes uh, thirty-five minutes for someone to walk across the screen, that is a horrific experience for me. But no appreciation for the cinema. This guy, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, hey, guys, you know hey, how it goes. Hey, before oh, anyone yeah. comes at before anyone comes after you for hating on two thousand one Space Odyssey, like pretentious film snobs, right? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give them a bone to pick with me. Casablanca sucks. Okay. There you go. I yeah. There you go. It. Email us. Sucks. Tell me how much I suck because I don't like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Tell JT how much you hate him because he doesn't fucking like Casablanca, which I agree with him on, but I didn't say that. Anyway, love each other, guys. <laughs> Bye. Later. <laughs>